Welcome to the Healthcare Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. On this episode of This Week in Healthcare, we have Maria Liu, Vice President of Business Development for Health Advisory Solutions. Last time she was here, we talked about some of the cybersecurity issues within the healthcare industry, but today we're going to talk about some of the correlations between EHRs and physician burnout. How you doing, Maria? Hey, Elmer. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. So, Maria, for the uninitiated, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at First Health before we get started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So First Health Advisory Solutions is a uh, company that really focuses on healthcare entities, hospitals, healthcare systems, university healthcare systems. Um, And uh, we strive to help augment their staff for their EHR um, and IT initiatives. So whether that is um, rolling out um, new EHR solutions or um, undergoing upgrade projects or go-lives, new EHR flips, um, we really seek to help augment a hospital staff during that time of need with very um, dedicated and experienced resources um, that that knows both the technical side and the um, the clinician side to help that EHR solution that they've purchased become a really great, powerful tool that is designed to become. In addition, we really strive to help in terms of cyber uh, security with medical devices because that is definitely an avenue where a lot of hackers are targeting um, within healthcare, and so. We seek to develop solutions uh, and help hospitals protect um, their medical devices and protect themselves from attack. And this all seems to be a relatively new topic for the industry, right? Yeah, for sure. It's um, It's been growing, but it is definitely, in terms of cybersecurity, is definitely growing. And we're seeing a lot of um, new attacks almost every day. So cybersecurity is, is certainly, I think, at the... Um, top of the agenda for um, most, if not every CIO for hospitals and and CEOs, certainly. Right, right. So, Maria, I want to get to the topic of the show. We've been seeing a lot in the news about EHRs, which are electronic health records, for those who don't know, being attributed and connected to physician burnout, which people are calling an an epidemic, right? So can you talk about that a little bit? What What's your take? Yeah, it's actually ironic, right, Elmer? Because EHR was never designed to hinder physicians. It was originally designed to help physicians and patient care in hospitals. And um, it was designed to, to reduce patient errors and become this tool um, in the arsenal weapon kit, so to speak, of physicians when they, you know, um, see patients and, and try to treat them and, and diagnose illnesses. And so it's become instead um, the opposite where it's concerning because it's become this huge hindrance to them. And if we dive in and kind of tackle uh, the issue, we can see why that has become such a problem. So if you think about um, the the reason that people in college decide to go to medical school and become a doctor, the you know number one reason and the number two reasons usually they go hand in hand are most people want to help people, right? And then the second thing is that people um, in that field are just passionate about 
medicine. They they don't really say, you know, I want to be a doctor because I really want to become a super user of EHR technology. That's not usually what drives people to to field the field of medicine. Um, but what we're seeing is that uh, physicians are reporting that for every one hour that uh, they spend on patient care, the thing that got them interested in medicine to begin with, they're sp spending up to two hours um, on EHR data entry, essentially, and other administrative tasks. So if you think about that, right, and project that out, so for that, that essentially means for every day of a physician's work life, they're only spending 33% of uh, their time doing what they truly love. And 66% of the time, they're struggling with administrative tasks and making sure that everything is checked in an EHR uh, for a patient so that that medical record becomes whole and complete. And that's not what they got into medicine for. And then, you know, you compound that with the fact that um, our hospitals usually don't have one EHR vendor uh, or software solution, they have multiple. So they kind of piecemeal here and there. They might have um, Cerner for you know all of their inpatient and they might have Epic for outpatient. They might have McKesson and Allscripts and Meditech and they just keep, you know, it, it, you add all of these different complexities and each of the EHR solutions are so complex within um, and then you think about, well, physicians usually, you know, sometimes they see patients at um, their uh, location in one hospital. Sometimes they go to different hospitals for procedures or they go to outpatient clinics to, you know, receive patients there. And each of these places have so many different EHR solutions. And then the physicians are really tasked with learning how to make that um, medical record whole for every patient and updating it and making sure that everything is, is entered into that system. And it's easy to see why they can become very disillusioned and disheartened, unfortunately, with EHR, which was supposed to help them, but has kind of turned against them. So then is it the lack of a standardized format that's causing all this frustration? Well, there is. So there is standardized format in, in the sense that um, we have HL7 um, standards. So that's kind of the language and and um, the governing bodies to make sure that there's an international set of standards actually with um, how these different systems um, can be shared within each other and and correspond. I see, I see. So it's it's the specific systems within each establishment that causes the frustration. Absolutely. And then, you know, you have some complexities um, within even the same EHR solution at various hospitals. Uh, the way one hospital uses Cerner um, is totally different sometimes than how another system uses Cerner. And the way that Cerner looks and feels um, from a, um, a GUI interface perspective, when you launch it, it might look and feel mostly the same, but you know, Cerner is dynamic in that it can be tweaked to uh, the build specs and needs and workflows of different hospitals and um, other EHRs work the same way. So because of that, you could launch Cerner um, in one hospital, but, you know, the way that you uh, work through a clinician workflow is a little bit different. So there are these little um, intricacies that 
kind of build upon each other. And you can see how that might weigh heavily on a physician that got into the field because they want to treat patients and they want to help people, you know. Um, so I, I think that it definitely um, makes sense when we think about it that way. Um, and unfortunately, the way we got here is really, um, you know, it, there were a lot of benefits uh, through the Meaningful Use Program that pushed healthcare into adopting EHR uh, solutions, but there are some added cons and, and, um, and that's kind of where we're seeing the, the uh, recent um, ONC work that is trying to tackle that. Right. So, I mean, all of this sounds super disheartening, Maria. So then what do you think is, is the best solution? What can we do to best optimize EHR systems to best, you know, work for physicians instead of physicians working for them? Yeah. So if we look at how we got here, that kind of helps with, um, you know, the solutions. Um, it's interesting because, you know, 20 years ago, when you walk into any hospital, um, it's not guaranteed. Most of them didn't really adopt EHR solutions that were on the market. They still, a lot of them certainly use pencil and paper um, for, or not pencil, hopefully, but pen and paper uh, for their, um, you know, their records. And we talked in the last one about why paper is problematic because paper can be misinterpreted and paper can be lost and paper is difficult to transfer from uh, one location to another. Um, and so the government got involved uh, with meaningful use um, around 2010. They really pushed to incentivize uh, hospitals to be able to adopt EHR. So, um, you know, they rolled out three phases of meaningful use where the, um, hospitals that adopted EHR, so they purchased an EHR solution and then also used it in a meaningful way um, and could show the milestones and benchmarks that they were using it in a meaningful way, that they saw um, a increased incentive um, in, in um, Medicaid and uh, Medicare uh, reimbursement. And there was a little bit of a um, penalty financially if you didn't adopt an EHR by a certain time. So because that was so successful, that was great in pushing um, hospitals into um, out of the dark ages and realistically uh, adopting EHR solutions. And it did what it was intended to do. But the kind of side effect of that, the consequence, was that, um, you know, in the States, we're not really, um, we don't operate the same way that the UK does uh, with healthcare, where the NHS in the UK can, um, you know, really decide as um, on the governmental level, but also um, controls the hospitals uh, that sees patients and, and um, interacts with patients. They decide all of that uh, from a government level. So they really choose one vendor of choice, um, and there are fewer interoperability issues. Whereas the U.S., um, you know, our hospitals operate as a free market. We're in a free market. So that's where you start to see the piecemeal um, EHR solutions kind of crop up. And then uh, because of that, you have the side effect of interoperability issues. One of the ways that that um, we're tackling that is that the uh, the recently the AMA has recognized that 
from the beginning that medical students are given this great foundation of knowledge. And um, they step into a hospital to continue that uh, foundation and, and learn how to treat patients. But when they get to the hospitals, they're not, they haven't been given the tools needed to use EHR effectively, and the hospitals are already doing that. So the AMA is using the same incentive method, essentially, that Meaningful Use saw much success, um, and they are incentivizing medical schools to develop curriculum that adds in EHR training for their students. So um, we're seeing that, and we're also seeing the ONC, which is the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, which was a part of that meaningful use push. Um, they recognize that interoperability is an issue, and so they are also incentivizing um, through grants. Uh, and I think that's what you recently read, maybe, that um, they are going on to offer those grants to any company that can can provide a solution for that issue. Right. And, and that is exactly what I had read. So, Maria, and I'm glad you brought up AMA because that's what I was about to bring up. Do you think what they're doing is going to be enough? Do you think this is the kind of problem where the core of the issue is just us not understanding and knowing how to deal with this? Or is it a bigger issue where, you know, the problem is just the fact that it's a part of a physician's job now? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, but I think what the AMA is doing is going to be really helpful in um, starting to fix the issue. And I think between, you know, between what the AMA is trying to do with incentives and what the ONC is doing, I think ultimately they'll both be successful um, because interoperability and the you know drain that we place on that that weight we place on physicians is so uh, critical and has been an issue that is compounding um, and is not going away until we fix it. And it's it's just been a part of life um, ever since EHR kind of exploded onto the scene with meaningful use. That I think it, it'll be successful because we essentially have to make it successful. Um, we're adopting new technologies within healthcare, um, and and this is something that is going to need to be addressed and fixed. And I think you know, in terms of will they be successful? Absolutely, I think the AMA will actually be successful more immediately uh, than the uh, what the ONC is trying to do because essentially you're talking about you know. Um, teaching a group of students that um, it, to be effective with an EHR solution that already exists. Kind of like how meaningful use was successful because it, we're talking about adoption being faster than creation um, in the sense, meaning that the adoption of an existing EHR um, is going to be much easier and was much easier in the past than what the ONC is trying to do, which is uh, incentivize companies to um, really create a solution or make that, you know, genesis of a solution happen from um, uh, for an age-old issue. So I think it will be successful, but it's just a matter of when, um, you know, the bigger issue is tackled. Um, and that's something that we're helping with in a different way at first also um, in terms of finding people and sourcing people that really know uh, both pillars. You know, um, they 
they know the clinical side and can speak to clinicians, but can also help with the technical side. Right, right. And and that clearly seems to be the at the core of the problem, right? The fact that both sides are so nuanced and so so specific and, and niche based that getting them to come together and, and you know, create some synergy seems to be so difficult, right? Because who it's already hard enough to find someone who's an expert in one of these fields and now finding people in the middle, you know, that's gotta be one of the toughest things to do out there. For sure. And I totally agree. So Maria, my last question for you is, what about from the patient side? Is this something patients should be worried about, should be concerned about? Does this, obviously physician dropout, you know, affects them eventually in the long run, but generally, is this something that the average patient needs to be concerned about? Um, not worried about per se, but concerned for sure. Um, the the estimated cost of a um, a hospital losing a physician to a physician burnout is astronomical. Um, the, the estimated cost is between half a million to a million dollars um, per physician that decides to quit and do something else because they're just simply burnt out and, and disillusioned or disheartened about um, what has transpired within healthcare. Um, and with how expensive healthcare already is in our country, I think that absolutely will add to it. Um, but, you know, there are things that are being done to try to stop the bleeding, so to speak, and and really fix this uh, issue so that it can um, it's no longer an issue for our physicians and our hospitals and, and all of that. And what you said about, you know, the the um, disconnect between technology and healthcare, and really needing people that can bridge that gap between both is essentially at the core of what FIRST does. Um, we have really great consultants that can help hospitals push um, their through their EHR initiatives and really make it that powerful tool again that it was designed to be. So a lot of our consultants and employees are richly experienced, not only in technology, which is absolutely necessary, but they've had um, tons of experience at different hospitals implementing different EHR solutions. They, a lot of them are uh, former clinicians, and a lot of them know how to speak to clinicians and frustrated physicians and see what their workflow is, what they intend to get done, and then translate that into what the EHR solution is capable of and really build it out and, and tweak it to that build spec of what is needed. So once again, that EHR solution becomes a powerful tool that helps a physician instead of really hinders them and brings them down. Right, right. And I mean, I'm glad that something's being done right about this because it seems like a problem that could easily be ignored otherwise. Yeah, I you know, I think when it comes to change, nothing is more dramatic or uh, pushes change more than the almighty dollar. So I think all these incentives from the AMA, the OMC, I, th I think that that will definitely help drive change. Well, I look forward to following along and, and hopefully seeing that change. Maria, thanks again, as always, for joining us. It's always our pleasure and, and we appreciate your time so much. Thanks, Elmer. It's great to be back and uh, anytime. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.